And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. Do you know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. And truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. Hello and welcome. He is Gary McNamara. I'm Eric Harley as we begin the week before Christmas. Gary, how are you? It's true because Christmas would be Sunday, so it is the week before Christmas. It is Remember, there's only 53 shopping weeks until Christmas 2023. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to need Rudolph this year? I don't think so. Well, because this could be the remember the remember the story of the the year that Christmas was almost canceled because of weather. Yeah, and yeah. that weather is going to be across the entire the the Midwest. Uh, in the plains, well, remember in Great the, uh, Lakes, in the, down, down here in Texas, in the uh, in the documentary which inspired the song "Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer," it was a foggy Christmas Eve. By the way, where are you living that it's foggy? <laughs> no, snowy, <laughs> not foggy. Oh, Texas gets foggy in the winter all the time. Well, the the. Uh, I, I don't know that I've ever seen a foggy Christmas here, but yeah, okay. Uh, West Coast, maybe, right? San Francisco. Oh, okay. Right. Maybe okay. maybe Santa back then lived in, instead of the North Pole, <laughs> he lived in San Francisco, North Cal. <laughs> Not to mention the, 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 the bigotry there at the North Pole uh, mm. over uh, Rudolph and his uh, you know, nose. Mm. They ever figure out how that worked? How his nose glowed? Yeah. I think it was pot. I'm pretty sure. I think it was edibles. It could have been drinking. Man, what a weekend. Sometimes it causes people's nose to turn red. That's true. It could be drinking. Heavy drinking. (laughs) I'm not saying it is. I don't want to get a letter from Rudolph's lawyers. (laughs) Rudolph will not be able to uh, lead the sleigh this year as Rudolph is... uh, in uh, rehab, he's grounded by the FAA. Yeah. No, sorry, dude, no flying. <laughs> right. All right, coming up, we got a great show today. Uh, Musk takes a poll mm-hmm. that he says he will abide by. Mm-hmm. Uh, latest releases on the FBI, 
including uh, the one that came out Friday, the one yesterday, and uh, more discussion on the master canine relationship. All right. I'm assuming uh, when uh, he wrote that, uh, Tabby wrote that, mm-hmm. Taibi, excuse me, yeah, that uh, the master was the FBI and the canine was Twitter. Yeah. So, so we'll get to uh, that. The Dems and censorship, how they wrote a letter to Facebook. You saw that, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I just, it's amazing. It is amazing the way, this is one thing over the last couple of weeks. Democrats aren't even hiding their disdain for any type of free speech and their insistence on censorship. It, it's just amazing. Uh, yeah. We'll, uh, we'll get to, to the border situation. It was just it was a nice attempt by Martha Raddus to try to blame, or, or Raddus, excuse me, on um, CBS to try to blame uh, the uh, GOP for the situation at the border. Wow. Yeah. ABC, yeah. not CBS. Right. Yeah. That was just a, amazing. If you haven't heard, we'll play the audio coming up a little bit later on in the show, but what she was saying is since Abbott uh, and other GOP governors like, uh, DeSantis and and uh, Trump. Now he's not a governor, of course, but uh, but blamed uh, at, you know DeSantis, Abbott, and Trump since they keep saying that Biden is about open borders. That's the message that everybody hears. Yeah, it's uh, it's the liberals once again. It's like with inflation. If you keep saying there's inflation, then we're going to have inflation, right? <laughs> And if you keep saying there's a recession, we're going to go into a recession. If you keep saying there's an open border, then people will come here thinking there's an open border. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's driving it. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. They come here because, uh, in their own words, yeah. <laughs> right. Biden told them they were invited. No, it, it happened. It started immediately because right. he was promising that during his campaign. Yep. Just amazing. Uh, Democratic mayors cry for help on illegal immigration, mm. of course. Yeah. And uh, who, uh, oh, yeah, Sherrard Brown, Senator Brown. Yeah. I don't hear, you know, not, none of my voters are talking about, uh, you know, illegal immigration. Right. Uh, this is all a right wing thing. Yeah. And I, we were talking about this during our pre show meeting. It's like, excuse me, the mayor of El Paso. Just and, and you you know the the we saw you know the sewer stories mm-hmm. uh, that illegal immigrants coming out of manhole covers now. Right, it's absolutely insane what's going on in El Paso right now, and the Democratic mayor you know calling a state of emergency uh, on it. Uh, Denver's mayor also uh, you know calling I forgot what level of emergency declaration. You've got Adams in New York. You know, screaming for help from Hochul and the federal government, and then Gavin Newsom last week, yeah, or a week and a half ago, right? The Democrats have to do something about what's going on at the border, right? Oh, but Sherrod Brown, I don't hear anything. It's all Republicans going on. And Governor Abbott sends ten buses (laughs) to his jurisdiction tomorrow. Oh, I don't hear anything. What happened? Yeah, it's um, but this is the uh, again uh, just deny, 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 or uh, blame it on something else. Blame it on Republicans repeating something over and over again. But this, 
This is, remember during the Obama years that I, I said, you know, my theory is that the Obama administration and Democrats continue to lie more and more. And the reason they do that is so that the opposition, the Republican Party, just keeps saying liar, 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 liar. They're, they're you know, right. they're a bunch of liars. And all oh, the Republicans just keep saying we're lying. Well, maybe that's because you y- don't you stop are. lying. Yeah. And and now it now it's you know, well we're in a recession because we're heading into a recession because people are saying that if they keep saying it we're definitely going to go into a recession. Well, we have inflation because people say we have inflation. That's not how it works. Well, we 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 have an open border. We have people coming across the border because. The Republicans keep saying there's an open border. Because they, because Republicans keep complaining about the open border. Exactly. <laughs> it's just, By the way, keep... that's, that's the closest that, well, I don't know about, I can't speak for every everyone in the uh, liberal media, but, uh, you know, Martha Raddatz, if you, if you think about it, she's acknowledging that there is a border problem. <laughs> that's true yeah, exactly i, mean, I guess I mean, it's so a, yeah it's a i know it, it's a backwards yeah, way of uh, looking at it but yeah. it's pretty much all we got so you're saying there's a border problem right so you acknowledge miss raddatz that there is a border problem yes that's good uh democrats have second thoughts about taxing the rich mm-hmm. uh the gop says that they will call the intelligence community to testify about covid origins biden just out of control mm. with his made-up stories uh, the Friday, the the Friday speech he gave. Oh, God. yeah. No, I mean, it's it's I just mean, getting more and more bizarre. I mean, I'm 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 bothered. You know, when you read the headline here and it, uh, it taught, you know, uh, uh, Joe Biden spews anti Irish slur, and of course, I was personally triggered by that because yeah. I'm always insulted by the identity of my nationality. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He uh, he just the but the whole thing on the Purple Heart for his his uh, his uncle mm-hmm. and how when he became president you know he uh, he worked at uh, at uh, at uh, you know uh he was asked um he was asked uh to uh to do it for his uncle right. uh you know and you know and he had talked to his uncle about it his uncle was already dead yeah i thought it was his father that that had died when he was making the case that his father wanted him to give it to his uncle and that his father died. I know that the New York Post was saying that his uh, his father had already passed away. But something in the uh, Biden father, Joseph uh, R. Uh, Biden Sr., died in September of 2002, more than six years before right. You know, right. his son was elected vice and, president. And his uncle died in 99. Right. Right. Yeah. So both of them, both, both of them, both had of passed them, yes. before right. he got the, okay, so the entire story, okay, yeah. that's what the uh, New York Post didn't have. Right. All right, and the question is, why is he telling these bizarre stories? Because the only, honestly, the only answer is either he is a liar, which he is, or in these cases, he's misremembering, which is a bigger problem. Not that lying isn't a problem. Well, not only misremembering, but... Because it's making like, it up. Yeah, you, you might have but, for, you might have forgotten something. Yeah. He's he's making all of this up. Yeah. Well, that yeah, that falls under clinically as as misremembering. You you create false memories that didn't okay. happen. And how many times has that happened over the years? The bizarre set of lies. Well, I mean, we got to the point where the fact checker at the Washington Post gave him bottomless Pinocchios. 
Here it is. You know, uh, I my dad, when I got uh, elected vice president, he said, Joey, Uncle Frank fought in the Battle of the Bulge. Uh, he was not feeling very well now, not because of the Battle of the Bulge, he said, uh, and he won the Purple Heart, and he never received it. He never he never got it. You think you could help him with it? Mm-hmm. We'll surprise him. Yeah. So he's saying this is when I got elected. My father, his father was dead mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. So we got him the Purple Heart. Uh, he had won it in the Battle of the Bulge, and I remember he came over to the house, and I came out. And by the way, he came over to the house. His uncle was dead also. Right. And he said, present it to him, okay, and we had the family there. I said, Uncle Frank, you won this, and I want to. He said, I, I, I don't want the damn thing. No, I'm serious. He said, I don't want it. I, you know, uh, I don't want it. I said, what's the matter, Uncle Frank? You earned it. He said, yeah, but others died. The others died. I lived. I don't want it. Both the people that he's talking about that he talked to in 2008 were dead at that point, right. his father and his uncle. Right. I mean, it's just that this is – I wonder if the Washington Post will call this the a bottomless pit. Now, I think that's, you know, basically, uh, you know, they, they were trying to say – I think it was their excuse to move on and not have to ever deal with Pinocchio's. When it Again. comes to this president, yeah, it's okay. Bottomless Pinocchios, yeah, every pretty much everything that he's ex, ex, fully expect that anything that he's saying at any time is a lie, that it isn't true, yeah, and it's just, and that's exactly where we are. And it's, I mean, it's it's to the it's pathological, and it's about everything. No, it and is. It's like, <laughs> it is. It's just you just shake your head, going, "Wow, my God!" And it the the fact is. The public seems to go. Eh. No, I think we're, I think we're at that point where you just can't trust anything that comes out of his mouth. Yeah, it's almost as if yeah, yeah, see, yeah, we know everything he mm. says is a lie, but mm-hmm. it's no big mm-hmm. deal. It's no big like, deal. Whatever. Yeah, you know, according to Rob Reiner, best president ever. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I mean, seriously, oh, man. Well, we'll have fun talking about Twitter. Yeah, uh, 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 today. And look, we said this last week and the week before and the week before that and the week before that and the week before that. We're sitting back and watching a liberal circular firing squad, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. understand uh, that uh, Elon Musk is not a conservative. Uh, He may believe in free speech, but he does things that are off the wall. Mm -hmm. You know, when he came out and, and, you know, said, I'm going to take a I'm going to do this by by Twitter vote. Uh, you know, and he did it last week with the journalist that he suspended. Mm-hmm. Is that the way to go? No. Uh, is he trying to set uh, the people up who all jumped aboard and said, you shouldn't be CEO of Twitter, mm-hmm. and he's going to bring in somebody that will just outrage the left? It's a possibility. Mm-hmm. But what we learned over the weekend. <laughs> Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my gosh. What a great Christmas gift that would be. I'll pay $8 a month for that. <laughs> because he did say, you know, you know, be careful what you ask for. So yeah. that was that's the part we were like, <laughs> where, where he where he wrote that afterwards. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, unless he sells Twitter, he's still the boss. Whether he's CEO, or yeah, not. exactly. I mean, there's just he owns yeah. Twitter, right? So he'll just, be telling the CEO what to do. To, yeah, exactly. It's yeah, no. yeah. 
So, uh, you know, we we found out, you know, more about the FBI. And, of course, this has to be investigated because you didn't hear much of the freedom of speech argument from Democrats over the weekends. No, you didn't. Because when you have no. the uh, – and by the way, the FBI's response is go to hell. Right. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. We'll do whatever we want. Exactly. Was the response from the, the FBI. There's no freedom of speech issue here. We do this all the time. Yeah, right. Look, just, this is the the biggest problem right. that I've seen since the beginning is the FBI's involvement. Yeah, it is. So we'll get to that and more. we got a great show ahead. 866-90-RED-EYE. Electrical systems are one of the most common causes of winter breakdowns. So when your batteries talk, it's important you listen. Keep an eye out for the warning signs that may indicate your electrical system needs attention to help avoid getting stuck out in the cold this winter. The most obvious sign that a battery-related issue is present is if your truck has trouble cranking at the proper speed. If you experience any sluggishness when starting your engine, get a full electrical system check from a trusted service provider. Continuing to crank a vehicle with low or inadequate voltage will damage the starter and can lead to downtime and costly repairs. This report is a service of Shell Rotella. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Hardy, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, if uh, you'd like to get into the show, and, you know, I was sitting there, and I go, I guess we get into the minutia of all of it, but basically what, you know, came out from the Twitter files uh, over the weekend, uh, quite damning of the FBI and, and uh, you know, possibly other agencies, including, in you know, intelligence agencies, uh, I mean, it's just when when you look when you look at it, and I I think when uh, uh, Taibbi wrote the master canine relationship, you know, the communication that was constant between you know the FBI and uh, and Twitter. That's not the role of the FBI. No, it is not. No, it is not. You know, if they if they knew that there was something going on, and they knew of some kind of foreign activity or something like that. Uh, you could send a message to social media, hey, be aware of this. Uh, otherwise, we'll, you know, we're looking into it. But you just need to be aware that they are, these players are, are, are uh, international players are on your form, are on, on your website. And they're responding and putting out, you know, propaganda. By the way, it should be a given. In fact, it is a given in the intel community, uh, uh, community that that's exactly what they do foreign actors all the time are engaged in propaganda that's always happening so why is this different why did you have this task force on you know about social media to the extent that you're essentially uh, barking orders at social media Hey, take this down. Take this down. Yeah, be, take and, that down. And 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 the thing is, you're federal law enforcement, right? Yep. You're not an advisory panel, no. of of Congress, right? No, you're not. You're you're the FBI, right? The hey, F, the if FBI. you wanted to send a memo saying, "Hey, we're aware of this activity and it's happening on your website," just so you can be aware, here are the dangers. 
uh, to the, your users, your otherwise uh, lawful users, and and the account holders, um, just so you're aware. And we'll update this information as we as we get new information. That's simple. But this task force, which by the way also included the office of the director of national intelligence, that's a big deal because you're talking about all 18. The DNI. Uh, 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 is in charge of all 18 intelligence communities. But even that isn't as bad as the FBI. Well, the FBI has the... Uh, they can take action. If they if they deem something right. actionable, then they can right. lean in but, on social media to do something about I mean, it, basically. The, the DNI is not law enforcement. There's a difference. That's what I, just, that's when, what yeah. I was saying. Happy holidays. Have some eggnog. Red Eye Radio. And he is Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. So just reading here from uh, Jonathan Turley talking about the FBI issued a statement that there is nothing to see here with Twitter. Hmm. Uh, it is notable for what it does not contain any recognition of the gravity of the allegations or a pledge to investigate whether the relationship crossed over to de facto government censorship. According to some reports, as many as 80 FBI agents may have been tasked with assisting in the censorship uh, efforts, yet the FBI has offered little more than a shrug in face of credible constitutional uh, uh, you know, uh, concerns. And when you look at, for example, uh, let me see here. Let me just, I'm going to go. Uh, back just a little bit uh, here with uh, with with uh, Turley. Um, oh, I'm trying to find where, where's I trying to find it here. I just I lost my uh, my uh, my place here. But um, um, well, oh, just, yeah, no, here it is. Here it is. Previously, media figures denied censorship was occurring. When such censorship became obvious, they denied that there was any involvement of the FBI and the government. Right. Now that that involvement is confirmed, they are simply not covering the story. Yeah. And the FBI is saying, yeah, no, it's no big deal. No big deal. And, you know, the fact that it's because if if at first you wanted to say the uh, the person that's corresponding from the San Francisco Bureau uh, or, or office of the uh, the FBI, uh, and this is Elvis Chan, according to the Twitter files, uh, who is communicating with Yoel Roth then at Twitter. In that back and forth, if you're, you know, if your theory could be, okay, maybe this is a rogue agent. Nope, there were 80 agents assigned here, and according to Elvis Chan, there was this joint task force. And the FBI led the communications, and they were leaning clearly on Twitter here. They were making demands. At one point, Roth at Twitter was uncomfortable with having to respond in writing to all the questions from the FBI. And this is greatly concerning because what business do they have in this? Look, when you go back to you know the Russian hoax and all of this, you understand 
that there were plenty of people with agendas. And some of the stuff that came out over the weekend, you know, as they were um, uh, talking about some of the uh, lesser-known individuals who were banned off of Twitter and and, uh, what the Twitter files showed, some of it was uh, even some people on the left that were, you know, where the FBI made the uh, direct suggestion Mm -hmm. to to ban that person, to take them down. We were not comfortable with that or whatever, however they phrased it. Um, But it doesn't matter. The FBI should have no involvement whatsoever. If they're aware that there are unlawful individuals that are using certain means, whatever means, to communicate with people, you can reach out to the people who are in charge of, of those websites, whatever it is, and you can tell them we're aware of this kind of activity. You should be aware of it. And here's the danger it poses to your otherwise lawful users and account holders. We just wanted to let you know and make you aware of that. No back and forth questions, no requests of take this down, take that down. It's clear that there was an agenda here at the FBI to control social media. Uh, and this is, uh, again, from uh, from Turley last week when looking at the one poll that showed two thirds of uh, of uh, Americans uh, believe that uh, Twitter shadow banned users. I think uh, I saw on Fox News there was another poll out. Seventy two percent believe that this should be investigated mm-hmm. right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, there, OK, it was the Harvard Caps Harris poll out this week, despite the refusal of many in the media to even cover the Twitter files. Nearly two thirds of voters believe Twitter shadow banned users and engaged in political censorship during the 2020 election. Seventy percent of voters now want new national laws protecting users from corporate censorship. This week, the media continued to fulfill that common view of a de facto state media by ignoring new evidence of FBI coordination in censorship targets with Twitter. On Friday, Twitter released additional information showing that the FBI and CIA actively pushed for censorship, supplying lists of accounts to be suspended or banned. Journalist Matt Taibbi described Twitter as acting as a subsidiary of the FBI and wrote that between January 20th and November of 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI and former Twitter trust and safety chief Yoel Roth. You know, you were just making the point to me during the bottom of the hour that he even started getting there were so much correspondence and so many demands that he was even becoming uncomfortable with what was going on right and and that's it it's it's that they were essentially uh according to Joel roth or according to the twitter files he would he was clearly uncomfortable with having to respond in writing uh with written answers and that's basically what the demands of the fbi became the evidence continues to establish a system of censorship by surrogate or proxy while the first amendment applies to the government and not private corporations Generally, it does apply to agents or surrogates of the government. Twitter now admits that such a relationship existed between former officials and the government. Once again, however, the major networks and newspapers have largely ignored the story. There has been a full mobilization of the media, political and business interest against Elon Musk and Twitter to oppose the restoration of free speech protections at the company The media is heavily invested in suppressing the story after years of denials of any problems of censorship. Previously, they denied censorship was occurring. 
When such censorship became obvious, they denied there was any involvement of the FBI and the government. Now that such involvement has been confirmed, they are simply not covering the story. It was interesting because you and I talked about the, uh, you know, uh, the the media coverage uh, of it when it was, you know, the, the Hunter Biden laptop story uh, to uh, begin with. And you heard over and over again, it's not a free speech issue. There's no government. There's no government. The government isn't involved. Don't you understand the Hillary campaign and the DNC, uh, or excuse me, not the Hillary campaign, the <laughs> <laughs> force of habit <laughs> well well, I, well actually going back to 2016 it is a hillary campaign yeah but the 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 the, the biden campaign uh is not was was not a government entity well now nobody is saying that anymore are they they just went right. quiet in the mainstream media because now we have found and and by the way with the fbi coming out with their statement they're admitting. They're they're acknowledging. They're acknowledging it all happened. Yeah. So you're nope. saying this right. is true. They're they're simply saying no. This is normal operating procedure. Uh-huh. Well, that should scare the hell out of everybody. Yep. And by the way, they kind of glossed over that. Looking into uh, 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 possible uh, crimes by foreign actors is within their purview. But they went beyond that here, according to the Twitter files. And and here's my question. I don't know if you've seen this, and, and we, we've had an ongoing family emergency where over the weekend I wasn't able to find the answer. I, I did look for it, but and maybe that answer has already been given to this question. What was the FBI activity after the election of 2020? With Twitter. What was the correspondence... How much correspondence, and did it drop off dramatically after the election? I have not seen that anywhere. Neither, I, neither have I. I've not seen the specifics of, you know, the the, the, the timeline. Because the timeline right now right. deals with the summer of 2020 and then leading up up to the election. My question is, was there, did they continue that after the election? Well, or did I, it drop off as, dramatically? As I just uh, read here... Uh, between uh, January mm-hmm. of 2020 right. and November of 2022, there were over 150 emails between the FBI right, right. and Yoel Roth. Yeah, and my and my question is, and and which is a how many of those occurred it's, after? It's a that's a ton of emails. Yes, how many of those occurred? Are you asking at, if you take the January of 2020 uh, to uh, yeah. to uh, November of 2020? Out of it, how many emails after? Right, right, right. Yeah. No, I don't have that. I don't have that number. Right. So everything's going to be released, so all the information yep. will be out there. Because, yeah, it will be. Uh, you know, they're they're all releasing it. You know, they've been given permission to release it wherever they wish to release. Well, it. because and and then you know, um, the question would be, what were the directives at the FBI, and who gave those directives? What were they specifically? Because, again, looking for um, foreign actors who may be acting illegally or or trying to uh, influence elections or blah, 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 blah. All right, that's within the purview overall. But specifically, what was the assignment to Elvis Chen? What was the assignment to the task force? And who gave it? But it's interesting because Turley points out here, as we were saying last week, that 
that you know the 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 whole thing of of the uh, everybody in collusion together to keep the truth from the American uh, uh, you know uh, people mm-hmm. and the whole thing that corporate censorship doesn't exist and what we're seeing now is corporate censorship across the board yeah because they don't want they don't want to release the story so that's that's really the irony of all of this that's the irony it's like there was no corporate censorship no cor- oh okay there was corporate censorship but there was no fbi or government censorship oh there was fbi and government censorship let's not cover the story at all yeah Oh look, no, it's Christmas time. Right. You just then you just made the exact point that your critics are making it's just but there's nothing to do. There's nothing else left because when you think about it across the board, the 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 mainstream media is re- and and this needs to be brought up on a consistent basis. The mainstream liberal media is okay, the number 2 uh, is the number two creator of disinformation in the United States. Mm-hmm. What's number one? The White House. Right. Yep. That's really the, 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 the organization that has more money, more influence, more ability to reach the masses are the ones that are really involved in the disinformation. And the government that uses your taxpayer dollars is the biggest creator of disinformation. Not Twitter. Because Twitter, you can argue back and forth on. Somebody can put something out and you can argue with them. As you know, with the White House, you can't. Because the reporters won't really ask the questions and the White House won't answer them they feel that they have no they have no obligation to answer the questions that the american people might be interested in the media isn't you know you're going to have a few fox news and and uh uh you know in in the in the you know in that room ask kareen jean pierre the actual you know important questions that the american public is concerned about but the rest of the media is part of all of this. Right. So they're not going to do it. Yeah. So really interesting weekend because it's just amazing how the media just are. All right, next. What do we have next? Okay, uh, we, can, we can't deal with this anymore. The border? All right, let's uh, blame the Republicans because the Republicans are screaming that Biden has opened borders and therefore that's why they're coming across, not because of what Biden did in his campaign. And what Biden did on day one. Right. On <laughs> opening the border. Right. Exactly. That's nah, just that the you know, Republicans keep saying that there's an open border, so people keep showing up. Wow. Just amazing. Eight six six ninety red eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley. I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. It's interesting because you were just reading me uh, about Matt Taibbi and, and, and the, the fact of the, you know, the FBI and their statement, 
Yeah. No, basically saying this is all about uh, you know those bad actors, uh, right. you know I- international bad actors trying to you know put out disinformation. But Taibbi said that's not the case. That's not what they saw at all. Right. In fact, he says uh, you know he's responding to their response, and he says, uh, "Look, that may be true, but we haven't seen that in the documents to date. Instead, we've mostly seen requests for moderation involving low follower accounts belonging to ordinary Americans." And Billy Baldwin, <laughs> you know, making the point that this yeah. was, and and they were doing that. They, you know, they sent a, you know, uh, a, a note uh, late one night uh, saying, "Hey, well, we've noticed this." And it's funny because they, the, the way that they phrased it from the FBI is, "We noticed that these accounts may be in violation of Twitter's policy." Well, you're the FBI. Why are you sending Twitter anything about their own policy? Policy, yeah. And they listed a handful of accounts. That's not what the FBI is supposed to be doing. Top of the Hour News is brought to you by House Products. Visit HouseProducts.com. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Download our Red Eye Radio app today. And if you can't listen to our show live overnight on one of our great radio station affiliates, you can listen when and where you want on your smartphone. So I found this really interesting with the whole thing going on about uh, uh, Twitter and, uh, you know, just talking about because Jonathan Turley really is, is taking the lead on all of this. You know, he really is, you know, on on uh, writing, uh, whether it's uh, on his uh, uh, website, Twitter, Fox, The Hill. Uh, he's really taking the lead on all of it. It's really important to know because he's a Democrat and comes from a long-time Democrat family. He's mm-hmm. not a conservative. And he is somebody, though, who believes uh, in uh, in the Constitution and believes in freedom of speech. But the interesting thing is, and he did the article yesterday, I still can't find the actual letter uh, where when I click it, it doesn't, I can't, you know, get it on the Fox story. But as he said, with the restoration of free speech protections on Twitter, panic has grown on the left that its control over social media could come to an end. Now some of the greatest advocates of censorship in Congress are specifically warning Facebook not to follow Twitter in restoring free speech to its platform. In a chilling letter sent from Representatives Adam Schiff, Andre Carson, uh, Kathy Castor, and Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, that guy's nuts, by the way. Mm. You people in Rhode Island, I have no idea where you're coming from electing this guy multiple times. This He's a nutcase, if I've ever seen one. Seriously, he is. Facebook was given the not-so-subtle threat that reducing its censorship system will invite congressional action. The letter uh, to... Uh, 
Meta's president of global affairs, Nick Clegg, is written on congressional stationery as a part of our ongoing oversight efforts. Now, the interesting thing is, well, in addition to demanding that uh, Facebook preserve its bans on figures like former President Donald Trump, they want Facebook to expand its censorship overall. Clegg is given Schiff's telephone number to discuss Facebook's compliance. An ironic con- uh, contact point for a letter on censoring disinformation. Mm-hmm. After all, Schiff was one of the members of Congress who, before the 2020 presidential election, pushed the false claim that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation, and he's been criticized for pushing false narratives on the Trump-Russia collusion in the 2016 election. In fact, uh, Schiff repeatedly lied about the intelligence that he saw relating to Trump and Russia collusion. He claimed intelligence existed that showed not not just circumstantial evidence, but hard evidence that Trump was colluding with the Russians in 2016. You cannot find a, per, a, a bigger purveyor of lies and disinformation and false information in the United States Congress than Adam Schiff. No. No. Uh, you know, but again, uh, it, it really starts to bring everything together, if you think about it. We said for a long time, this doesn't require a grand conspiracy, just like-minded individuals behaving in the same way. He said, uh, uh, the letter to Craig, he writes, is reminiscent, remember we talked about this, of another letter sent by several congressional Democrats to cable TV carriers last year Mm. demanding to know why they continue to carry Fox News. Right. Wow. As I later discussed in congressional testimony, that was an open effort by those Democrats to censor opposing views by proxy or by surrogate. That's Congress. That that's in it. That that's was in it. Just like this letter to Facebook, it's intimidation by the government that you censor, or we go after you. Not just to that point, but why are you? You need to justify why you're carrying certain news networks. Well, that that we politically disagree with. Yeah. Now, um, I'd like to see the. Cable and uh, and satellite providers, I'd, I'd like to see their files. Did they ever receive contact by the wow. FBI? Wow. Because if you're going to make the point that, well, we were just, you know, making sure there was no disinformation on social media, well, why would you stop at social media? No, that's a great point. And who would... Who would well. Who would the contact be? Who, where would the go-to be for cable news? It would have to be the cable providers and satellite providers. I mean, you're not going to, you know, you're, you're not going to contact Fox News. <laughs> Maybe they did. I think we'd know about it by now if, if they did. But you would contact the providers. Hey, we believe this information is disinformation. And it's being carried through on the channels that you provide. I'm just asking questions because this is a 
massive abuse of power and overreach. And I'm wondering how far it went. It's a great point. I refuse to believe that it was just Facebook and Twitter. You're going to have to prove that to me. Now, if you look at some of the mainstream media, it might have not been that type of relationship. They at, at those, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, very uh, liberal uh, publications that we know practice not journalism, mm-hmm. uh, but political activism. They may have gone to the FBI and the CIA and the White House and said, what should we censor? Yeah, so right. that relationship would be different. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're going they to the government. They to them. Yes. Hey, could you help us? Yes. We need the, some muscle over here. The possibility of the, you know, that it's not just one way that, uh, you know, with, because you, <laughs> when you see the political activism that exists today mm-hmm. in, uh, in the mainstream media. Right. But it's, we really live in amazing times right now because... In, on this topic, and the polls show it. You know, the polls show that uh, Americans want, you know, they want, uh, saw the poll the other day, 72% want an investigation into Hunter Biden's laptop. Yeah, they understand right. They understand the connection of the dots to influence peddling. Mm-hmm. They understand mm-hmm. that. Sure. Uh, over two-thirds of Americans closing in on 70% of Americans uh, understand that there's censorship in social media. And that censorship is being promoted by the Democrats. Right. Yep. And the Democrats, you know, and, you know, are the ones that constantly promote censorship mm-hmm. in Congress. Mm-hmm. I just love it that, you know, that's reading one thing about Elizabeth Warren promoting the fact that, you know, we need to stop disinformation. Yeah. Like, so, excuse well, me. Well, you know, I mean, excuse me. Uh, what nationality are you? Right. What's your ethnicity? Right. What's your background? Exactly. I mean, the biggest liars are the ones that are the biggest purveyors of disinformation. Adam Schiff, for example. Right. We <laughs> need to stop this disinformation. The biggest liar. Right. Adam Schiff. Right. On everything. You know, that's one of the great things about the whole Twitter file set of events so far, just so far. You know, it's interesting that each step puts is is another, of course, each release is another piece in the puzzle, but it really starts to put things together. And this weekend was um, moving more in the direction of the concerns of people like me and, and you and talking about from the beginning that my concern isn't necessarily just Jack Dorsey or people at Twitter. I fully aware that that those individuals are biased and and those individuals are activists and and that's how they're going to behave they don't they can't they don't have the power to come in and control individuals in the way that the FBI does that's the greatest concern and should be an overreach a massive well, abuse of power. I, I think you know. Again, the censorship and uh, the censorship and the government being involved in in censorship is huge because you have free, you have constitutional freedom of speech issues mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm from the corporate level. When you tell your customer you are about one thing, yet you're secretly doing another, mm-hmm. 
You're lying to your customer. Sure. And, you're, and you're the great telling thing them, is, is that you're telling them we're not censoring and you were censoring. We're not yep. shadow banning. You were shadow banning. And the, the greatest thing there in that regard is that it was clear to the people who were concerned about it already. I, I yeah. love the fact yes. that and, and we've said this, that people are smart enough to figure that out and then they can act accordingly. And Elon Musk in the release of the Twitter files confirms that. The public already knew they yep. they could figure it out. Yep. It was obvious. Yep. You know, with the I think the biggest thing that we have learned is the FBI's involvement. Yeah. And and frankly, I I wonder with Zuckerberg going on Rogan and the whole thing with the FBI there. That was a clear move to talk about that one thing. I think he was there that day to talk about that one thing. Now it doesn't look good for Facebook or Meta, but <laughs> not much does right now. That, I think he had to get that out there, and he was basically saying, hey, the FBI came to us. Now, I'd, love, I'd really love to see the communications, the FBI with, uh, with Facebook, the whole story. And because more and more this points to you know, again, you know, this whole idea of Jack Dorsey not knowing and, you know, as you mentioned, them lying about um, throttling down or shadow banning or any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, those are things that the consuming public is smart enough to figure out on their own. You either believe it or you don't. And when you believe it, you see evidence of it. And that's the thing. This wasn't a conspiracy theory and like, well, I've heard it happened to people. It was clear it was happening. And so that was something that was already a reality and then proven. And now what we're learning are the facts about the FBI and their involvement. And I really want to know how far this went because I really refuse to believe this was just about social media. Because if you've got 80 agents assigned here, then tell me what they weren't doing. Tell me what they weren't trying to control. You know, if you mm-hmm. wanted to, again, if you could make the case through the Twitter files that they had found that it was one or two agents, that it really wasn't a, a major effort. This is a major assignment. Yeah, right. And as they stated in the communication, it was a joint effort by a task force that went beyond the FBI. This was the intelligence community involved here. And assuming that's true and, and it's possible that they, the FBI or someone at the FBI lied about that. We would have to prove that there actually was that task force. But the, it begs the question, uh, when are we going to, how soon are we going to get to the and, bottom of this? Because somebody's going to have to do it. And what came out Friday of the FBI also highlights the, the entire thing of the Hunter Biden laptop story. The right. fact that they were in communication with uh, uh, Twitter about, you know, and, and the other, yeah. uh, the other yeah. uh, media about, you know, this thing coming out, this thing coming out. I mean, mm-hmm. they were setting up because they knew the FBI knew that the Hunter Biden laptop was legit. Right. They knew it was. They, they, knew, they it. knew by that time right. it was it was a, right. it was good they, info. They had it. So everything that they were peddling, in essence, because I, I guess the the only point would be, you know, was there what did the right hand know what the left hand was doing? Mm-hmm. Who were these people that were 
uh, telling social media that this thing was coming out and 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 uh, as the one executive said, was it Roth uh, who said that um, uh, you know no, they said it was about Hunter Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, did those agents who were involved in that know that the FBI had the laptop, right? Or were they just make it? Were they making it up as they went along, or did they knowingly peddle lies to the social media companies in order so they wouldn't cover? the laptop story, which they knew was legit. That's really the question I have. Right. Because then it is about state propaganda. Right, yeah. And it's about, we want you to tell our lies and we'll punish, you know, with the intimidation of the the enforcement power of the FBI behind us Mm -hmm. and the intimidation of constantly being in communication with you tell me any company out there with the fbi's contacting you 150 times over a period of a a year and a half Mm -hmm. where you're not intimidated at some point right as joe ross said he you know in in essence he was getting uncomfortable right why are they involved in this constantly yeah why is the fbi the lead and why is this a, a giant task force you know what's going on and because you wonder at that point what are the responsibilities that we have in responding to the FBI and also taking action? 866-90-RED-EYE. Hi, I'm Jen Loomis, a transport safety expert at J.J. Keller, and I'm here to share a tip on winter weather driving. Because they are removing snow and applying sand, salt, or other road treatments, snow plows travel at a slower rate of speed than other vehicles. All drivers should maintain a safe following distance of at least five to six car lengths behind a snowplow. This will help you avoid collisions as well as potential vehicle damage from the materials being thrown on the road. Don't pass a plow unless you absolutely have to, and never drive into the snow cloud. If you do have to pass a snowplow, do it in a safe and legal passing area that is clear of snow and ice. Make sure there's enough clearance to the side as plows are wider than most vehicles and portions of the plow and blade may not be visible due to blowing snow. If you encounter a snow plow approaching from the opposite direction along an undivided highway, pull as far over to the right side as is safe. This tip was brought to you by J.J. Keller and Associates. Visit us at jjkeller.com. This report is brought to you by Pilot Flying J and by Shell Rotella. Coming up, more with Gary McDara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. What's that? Oh, Eric, yeah. Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. is on line one, and mm. uh, he wants to give us some advice. Oh, All right. hey, he's gone now. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. He's gone. It's, uh, All right, the FBI is calling. A Quinn Martin production. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they want us to know that there could be some misinformation in the sources that we use for show prep. <laughs> now nah, you don't have to worry about that we don't do show prep <laughs> it's just ridiculous no, that- could you, you, just think about that if if you were in the media yeah well i mean we are in the media but i mean being can in you the, imagine being in the media Gary? <laughs> what i meant is <laughs> that came out wrong being in the media like we are 
and and the the now I did deal with the FBI once, mm-hmm. but it was a it's it's because uh, uh, we were um, just the facts. A, no, a talk a talk show that I was doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, we were investigating the local police department, mm-hmm. and it was mm-hmm. a pretty big deal. And we were talking about it on the air, and we were we were actually breaking source stories, uh-huh. and. The police department was not happy about it. Uh-huh. And I got a visit from the FBI saying, if there was any trouble, here's my card. If there's any trouble, here's my card. I actually Puts did. on his fedora and then he walks out the door. No, nice guy. Very, very nice guy. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he was. Yeah. Did he wear a fedora? No? No. No. No fedora. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him dressed this like, isn't, this like isn't a high, ni- This isn't highway patrol. Like a 19... 19- 60s FBI. <laughs> yes. no. so. Yeah, what do you mean, no fedora? You're not an agent. But we, we, we actually, though, uh, came to an agreement and actually talked, you know, got into great conversations with the police department at that time and resolved everything. So yeah, good. it all ended up good. Santa knows if they've been naughty or nice. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. Welcome and good morning. Very interesting reading of uh, unheard.com. Did an interview with uh, Jay uh, Bedicera from mm. uh, the uh, the professor at Stanford, I believe, mm. the doctor who uh, was one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. Remember that. Where they came out and said, "Look, this is the, the the lockdowns were wrong, right? We shouldn't have done the lockdowns. We shouldn't have closed down the schools. There was no need to uh, to uh, to do this, and uh, you know, you know that he was uh, he was uh, throttled or on what do they call it? it's not throttled? It's called um, oh, I don't know the exact uh, word for it. where where your um, your tweets don't go viral, yeah. But he talked about you know because Elon Musk invited him to come in." Mm-hmm. And he and uh, he was asked a question. Do you think that he was a skeptic of lockdowns? He goes, Yeah. He, from what he was telling me, especially what was going on in China, you know, he says wherever he has plants, if a ma- massive of people are out sick or dead, he knows. They know right. because the right. page the pay stops. Right. Because it just it wasn't matching what he was hearing, and so he was always wondering, uh, you know, uh, Elon Musk himself, uh, you know, uh, whether you know he was paying attention from the very very beginning. And was questioning the lockdowns, but he said it was really interesting. He said when he went in there, that every place except engineering was like deserted. Like you walk in, it goes looks like a five star hotel, mm. restaurant, and everything else. Mm. Nobody's there till you get into engineering. And he says the people that seem to be in engineering seem to be very loyal to uh, to Elon Musk. And the uh, engineer he talked to actually came from uh, Tesla over there. He said, but they seem to be. He said from what he could see, they seem very dedicated to change Twitter from what it was to much more of an avenue for free speech. And so he, uh, you know, got to look at as at uh, his files, and uh, he said, I got permission, of course, to look at myself, and I asked for permission to look at Martin Kaldorf. He goes, now, Martin Kaldorf, he had been actually, the uh, his first placement, that's the Trends Blacklist, was in July of 2020, 
when he was advocating for opening schools. He told me that when he was uh, what he was doing on Twitter was whenever someone was mentioned mentioning that schools would close, he would post a link to the Swedish study that showed that when schools had opened in the spring of 2020, no children had died and very few teachers had gotten sick relative to other workers in the population. He posted over and over and over, he said, and was more active on Twitter than at any other time. That's exactly when the trends blacklist was applied to him in July of 2020. And then again, three more times in 2022, although there were was no active trends blacklist for Martin at the moment. So that means right now. Hmm. Is it still active for you? He said, well, uh, it was still active when I was at Twitter. I hope it's been removed. My tweets seem to go more viral uh, these uh, these days. And he said, do you think the pandemic response might have gone differently if voices such as yours were not suppressed? And he says, yes, I do really believe that censorship kills and censorship killed during the pandemic. The policies could have been so much better. The policies that were adopted were incredibly damaging to the lives and livelihoods of so many people. 100 million people were thrown into poverty worldwide. And that's the estimate from the World Bank. Just the consequences of that itself are going to have tremendous effects on the lives and livelihoods of people going forward. And, of course, all these children were robbed of an education for years. Those are absolutely monumental outcomes of the policies we adopted during the pandemic, and they should have been freely discussed. My view of the scientific evidence is that it was so clear, even at the time, that we should not have been closing schools. And if we had been allowed to have a free and fair discussion, I think the schools would not have closed. If there had been this sort of, uh, if there hadn't been this sort of demerit system for people who spoke up against these uh, kinds of uh, of uh, policies, and then he says, "Do you worry that Twitter messages like my pronouns are prosecute Fauci, that Elon Musk is going too far and will imperil his project?" And he responded, "It's not what I." would do if I were in his position. But on the other hand, I don't have $44 billion to buy the company. The ideal person for this may not exist. We have to deal with the people we have in front of us. And Elon is, I think, a big step up from the previous ownership who obviously were not that committed to free speech. I agree that it's not the wisest use of his power. I think that it would have been wiser to be more temperate in talking about, for instance, Tony Fauci. I think that Fauci made tremendous mistakes. He abused his power during the pandemic, and it's led to a lot of problems. But I think the right redress is not to prosecute him, but for history to remember him having made those mistakes. And that, in fact, although he may have committed his life to healing the prescriptions he gave during the pandemic, made the lives of so many more people worse. Yeah, I don't know what you prosecute him for to begin with. I mean, yeah, we always say prosecute. It's like, okay, what's the specific crime? Right. Yeah, um, you know, and look, uh, we this is the the public pressure has to be built to the extent that there is a thorough investigation. Fauci is one person and a key player in all of this, but the entire scenario and the entire truth must come out. And that's where the investigation must go. And if there was criminal wrongdoing, then fine. Uh, You know, you take action on that criminal wrongdoing. You pursue that, no doubt. But the truth is what matters here. And the media and the left have zero interest in that. 
None. They're not pursuing this at all. In fact, you and I pointed out that the tone is coming back as if we're at the beginning of this. Yeah. They talk about mask mandates and uh, the one CNBC story that I brought last week that shows that, uh, and, and, and they wrote this. I, I don't know when they originally wrote the story. It sounds like it came out in the spring of 2020, that the virus can live for days oh, on yeah. plastic mm-hmm. and, and produce and things you buy at the grocery store. And we talked about the Los Angeles County uh, health director yeah. and what they were saying, right. you know, wear a mask, you know, that, that if you're going to have a Christmas party, hold it outdoors. Right. And it was like, where the hell are we? We right. back in April of 2020 or what? Right. No, I mean, that's it. Because and, that's and when we were coming. That's the kind of talk when we were getting to Memorial Day mm-hmm. and the 4th of July in 2020. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, it just is. Absolutely ridiculous. And, uh, of course, then the uh, the announcement that they're going to send out more free COVID tests, you know, for the long winter. All right. And the media and the left are behaving like we're still at the beginning of this. That nothing has been learned and nothing has changed. And clearly it's an attempt to control uh, you know, a narrative more and more, and con- which is to control individuals, which is exactly where they want to go with this. And they don't, because if you, if they don't go in that direction, I think they're afraid that, that the conversation is going to be more about the investigation. If they don't bring up, oh no, the rising cases. Oh no, you've got to, everybody needs to put a mask back on. It's winter time, and just focus on anything but the talk about the truth. And if you do that, it's a diversion tactic. Nothing, nothing more, nothing less. They're not going to. They don't want to get to the bottom. And the question is why? Well, they don't wish to get to the bottom of that. They don't wish to get to the bottom, as we've talked about the origin of COVID. There seems to be no interest whatsoever uh, from Democrats as to find finding out a, 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 a passion and there should be a passion from everybody to find out right. we want to know where this came from and how it happened and we demand answers we shut down the economy destroyed people's lives careers kids uh, uh, some kids missed uh almost two years mm-hmm. of of actual education in inside of of, of schools the the damage that we that we have done may not be known for years because of the number of people that didn't get their regular cancer screenings, didn't right. go to the doctor regularly right. because they were afraid to go. Yeah. And we and 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 so we should demand but the Democrats have no interest in finding out the origins of COVID. No, None. No. No, they don't. Why? And you know, for the media, why would you not want to find the truth? The media seems to have no interest. The mainstream media. None, the, right. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you want that? I mean, that's what you, you're the media. You're supposed to be curious. How did this happen? Right. Nah, it happened. We're, we're have no interest in how it happened. No, we'd rather, uh, we'd rather cover... 
Is the royal family arguing again? Mm. What are Meghan and Harry up to? You know, I read over the weekend somebody wants an apology. That was big news. Okay. All right. Origins of COVID, we have no interest. What is Meghan doing today? She's destroyed that entire family. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's... It, it really is about that. I know. <laughs> and and honestly, part of me is like, well, you know, they're maybe they're not all on the same page with with agenda. Maybe they're just incompetent. Maybe they don't know how to look into the truth and do real journalism. We know a handful that are. Well, Barry yeah, I mean, because I don't believe they have any interest in it. I don't think I don't think they came aboard to be journalists. They came aboard to be political activists. Sure, and political activists don't care about the minutia of any topic. But if they gained interest, would they have the ability? I don't know. Is it a generation of quiet quitters, with few exceptions, like Matt Taibbi and Barry Weiss? Well, I think quiet quitting in journalism. I I, I see it in the fact that. Uh, you know, you you think about it. You know, we whether we, you know, we talk journalists today. We're the engineers. You know, where I'm talking about people that have engineering knowledge. For example, you know, when you cover, for example, climate change and forms of energy, how many of these, how many of these these political activists, even if they wish to be journalists, have any idea how electricity works? Right. Have any idea? Have any idea how an internal combustion engine works? Right. Has any idea that if you're going to get into talking about, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, climate change, uh, what CO2 actually is Mm -hmm. and how it is produced? How many of them actually know anything about engineering or chemistry at all? Right. Right. Or physics. Right. At all. It's very tough. But if you are, okay, Trump sucks, that's pretty easy. If you well, if you just if you hate people and your political narrative is we're for this party mm. so pick out you know these people that you hate over here mm-hmm. yeah and then criticize them you know how much do they actually know right eight six six ninety red eye lines open for your calls eight six six ninety red eye on red eye radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Well, yesterday was, uh, I guess, just uh, the uh, the the absolute last time that America had to pretend that we love soccer. At least for four more years. Yeah. it's uh, You know, it was really when the U.S. was out, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah. there was a little bit of buzz yesterday with the Argentina-France game. And, yeah, all right. Uh, now, I will say the thing that makes soccer stupid is the same thing that makes hockey stupid, and that's where you settle the games with a shootout instead of actually let's let's determine the winner of this game mm-hmm. and the winner. Think about it. It's the World Cup. Yeah. Okay, we're tied after the extra time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this is for the championship of the world. Mm-hmm. 
We know, but people don't have an extra 15 or 20 minutes. No. And it's soccer, so it could take five weeks to score another goal. Yeah. So we're not going to play soccer in order to show who is the best soccer team in the world. Okay. Therefore, we will have all penalty kicks that will decide it. Yeah. Not the game of soccer. All right. <laughs> yeah. Now, at least in the National Hockey League, in the playoffs, you keep playing. Yeah, right. Because they figured, well, you know, in the regular season, eh, people really don't care if we don't play hockey to yeah. decide the winner. Yeah. yeah. But in the playoffs, people, this is the United States. We know, we know we came from Canada, but it's become a United States league. Yeah. yeah. And so in the United States, we got to have a winner or a loser. Mm -hmm. And you got to actually play the game. Yeah. Just, just stupid. Yeah. Um, well, but for the next four years, we don't have to hear. Oh, I'm a huge soccer fan. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 86690-RED-EYE. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Good morning. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when you choose. So I'm just reading about 36 people that were injured on that uh, flight from turbulence mm, uh, yeah. that was going from Phoenix to Hawaii. Mm. Luckily, they were near Hawaii and they started their descent immediately. But right. wow, just yeah. looking at some of the pictures of it and... One woman was talking about the fact that uh, her mother came back from the restroom, sat down, didn't have the seatbelt on, and when it hit, you know, went right up and hit the ceiling. If you've yeah. ever been in bad, I've only been in really bad turbulence once. Yeah, and uh, it was a it was a turboprop plane, hmm. and this is <laughs> back <laughs> back in the nineteen thirties. Now uh, hmm. this was would have been I think. Um, let me just get the year here. It would have been, I was going from, I think it was Memphis to Chattanooga. And so it was on a uh, two-engine turboprop. Can't even remember the, what airline it was. And so I'm guessing it was 93 sometime. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it was 93 when they were still flying the turboprops. Right. Yeah. And... We, you know, we, they had just finished the beverage service and we hit a patch of turbulence and it was, it was pretty, I mean, it was pretty intense and it was pretty intense and stuff, you know, cups and stuff started flying all across the place. And mm. then we like just dropped. I mean, it's like we hit some kind of 
air pocket where the, you know, I don't know, low pressure or whatever, but we just dropped Mm -hmm. like we had no lift. And then we mean, then we hit the air again and it was a slam like you can't believe that one. I'm like, and there are people screaming on the plane. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. we're probably probably okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, But that was the worst that I ever felt. And it was a, it was, a little, it was a little bit unsettling, even though I, I will say I wasn't scared. You know, when the plane's splitting apart, I probably would have been scared at that point. But. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, that tends to make you a little nervous. Yeah, yeah, but it was it was really the thing of just a feeling of of just dropping, mm-hmm. and then bam! It's like mm-hmm. whoa, man. So. Yeah, um, I've you know I've experienced pretty bad turbulence. Uh, and a pretty significant drop. Uh, bad turbulence once, a significant drop twice. And it's one of those that it's like, <laughs> you're, you're, you know how when you put your seatbelt on, it's like, all right, you don't pull it like all the way tight. Mm-hmm. And then in a moment like that, you're like, okay. Time to tighten the seatbelt. <laughs> like that's going to do it, but you kind of you you just want to remain in your seat. Um, yeah, uh, it was a bit scary, a bit scary. Uh, the story that came out about this recent event, I, I just it, it's you know for me, uh, I try not to get too uh, my. My question always is, well, is this, you know, how normal is this? I learned over the years in flying to certain destinations, certain times of the year, that the air is bumpy, right? You get these mm-hmm. little pockets and it's like, okay, it's probably going to be a bumpy landing coming in, especially if the wind picks up, it could be a bit bumpy. But when things like that happen, it's like, all right, how routine is that? These days, uh, watching a documentary uh, about wind shears and how the technology came about to be able to uh, uh, predict and and see and detect wind shears and 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 know more about them, you know, from a pilot standpoint, and that to me was really fascinating. And a lot of that, a lot of that came after the Delta crash. Yeah. At DFW, right? right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, and there was another one in another country. Uh, I forget where that was. I want to say somewhere in South America, maybe. I I, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't recall offhand. Um, but they were essentially learning. You know, there were so, there were so many things they didn't know at that time, and I thought to myself, "Wow." How how many of the passengers knew how much was not known? Imagine if you had to sign a disclosure, right? Okay, here's what we can't detect. Here's what we don't know. Here's what <laughs> we. You know what I mean? Well, they I mean, say you don't they, want to do. You yeah. don't want to do that because you don't want people who are nervous already well, freaking out. When, when but I, re- I mean, when I read this story, they said it could have been the what do they call it? The clear disruption where you don't know it's there, right? So that still exists. Yeah. But as they said, it's extremely, extremely rare. Extremely rare. Right. Extremely rare. Right. You know, yeah. Most of the time, 
when you're taking off, you know, you'll be the when the pilot comes on. How many times say, okay, we expect every, we expect you know clear skies now, but mm-hmm. there'll be you know we expect uh, you know maybe some problems uh, in another hour. Mm-hmm. But a lot of that isn't that a lot of that because other pilots are reporting as they go through that area. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not sure how much yeah. of that is technology, how, how much of that is being reported. But uh, you know, I'm always. For me, it's I. I don't, you know, I don't get, I don't take these long flights where you want to get up and stretch anyway. If I have to get up to go to the restroom, that's one thing. But I, I don't uh, get out of my seat otherwise. Uh, but I'm not taking these massive flights. You know, if you're taking a flight, if you're going overseas, if you're if you're flying from Texas to Australia, you know, you're going to have to get up every few hours. It's actually advised that you get up and exactly. stretch your yeah. legs every few hours. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I've always thought about that, about the, the flight crew and, and the, you know, the pilots. How much of this is actually routine? How much have they actually experienced in their careers? And, of course, that's not the kind of thing that you want to talk about when you're 30,000 feet in the air. You don't want to... Hey, listen, I've been through this a lot, and this happens quite a bit. I mean, you, you're not going to disclose that. It's like, all right, we know about some turbulence. Uh, we're turning the light, the, the seatbelt light on. Please get back to your seat. Now, this year, I mean, the, in the turbulent, the worst I felt, I mean, nobody went flying around. I don't know. Maybe everybody had their seatbelt uh, on, and that's, you know, why not? But there were people, apparently, that in this, right. there were 11 people that were seriously hurt. Yeah. No, I mean, nobody critical, but, mm. you know, Levin seriously hurt, which means you probably had a ton of people that hit the ceiling with their head. Right. They didn't have their seatbelt on. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Okay, reports here from Dr. Fauci. They didn't have their masks on. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I'm just glad, I'm glad that nobody was seriously hurt in that. But that's got to be a little bit terrifying when that hurt because, you know, you really don't know it. I. You know, I've, I flew so much with my father in single-engine planes where we did most things. And so any type of bumps, and especially in a smaller plane when you know, you're near storms and things like that, that uh, that we experienced, not that we ever went directly through a storm because mm-hmm. you couldn't. Um, but it was um, – but I felt enough turbulence there where I knew what it was. Here's the thing. This would be the question for me. How many planes – have crashed because of turbulence. Hmm. That's a question. Right. Right. Turbulence that was not like the severe wind shear right. activity. Right. Right. As right. you're landing. Right. Right. Because that's what, you know, that right. was what. Because uh, when you come in and then all of a sudden they have to kind of go a little sideways because the wind is so high. <laughs> I mean, every time after we land, I'm just thinking to myself, you know, that's skill. That's experience that you and, – and then the talk last week, the conversation we had last week about the calling for uh, – to uh, get it down to one pilot in the cockpit. That's not going to happen. And the reason it's not going to happen is because you want that safety measure there. You want that extra layer of, of – uh, in case something goes wrong with one pilot, somebody else to be able to do what they do. Okay, here we go. This goes back to August 17th, mm-hmm. 2022, Fox Weather. Here's what you should uh here's what causes turbulence and why you should not be 
afraid of it. And they state here that should you be scared of turbulence, the short answer is no. And rest assured that the pilots know how uncomfortable turbulence can make passengers feel and know that no aircraft has ever crashed because of turbulence. Hmm. Turbulence has not caused an airplane to crash. Airplanes are built very uh, sturdily. In fact, there's a lot of countermeasures built in the engineering of an airplane, much like a car has different things to make a smooth ride on a bumpy road. Airplanes have so many parts to it that it's built into the aircraft to be able to deal with and safely handle the turbulence. But so. All right. That's interesting. I just, I didn't know that question. So I just put it into Google and that came up. Hmm. And I'm trying to think because I'm an avid watcher of the documentary, Why Airplanes Crash. Yeah. I had a friend of mine say one time, I'm getting ready to go on an airplane. This goes back about 15 years ago. And, you know, I, I fly all the time. It's like I'm watching it before she drives me to the airport. She goes, doesn't that scare you? You're watching and you get on the airplane? No. Why not? Odds. Right. I'm an odds kind of person. I can. Right. It's like if if I don't want if if I don't want to watch a a show on car crash, you know, I I'm not going to watch that show on car crashes because I'm getting into a car. Mm-hmm. My odds are greater that I'll be killed in the car than the airplane. Would you ask me that about the car? <laughs> it's just that airplane crashes are more spectacular, you know, in their right. in their destruction and you know and what you know and what we. Uh, you know, and how we how we view that, because I love flying. I mean, I absolutely love flying. I, um, and you know, and even when when I went up in the F sixteen with the Thunderbirds, basically felt every probably every kind of pressure that you could feel when you when I took the nine Gs. Mm-hmm. Yes, I had a G suit on, just so people know. Mm-hmm. The when you fly with the Navy with the uh, Blue Angels, apparently you don't. You didn't back then. I don't know about now. I'm going back 23 years ago. Uh, 24 years ago. Yeah, 24 years ago. Um, they weren't wearing the G-suits in the in the Blue Angels, so you didn't take the 9Gs. That's an interesting feel, by the way. Yeah. Most people will never experience that. That's one thing that I was able to get. When the G-suit starts compressing in on you as you start picking up more Gs, and you get to nine G's and because the whole suit is compressing against your body to push the blood up more towards your head. Right. That's an interesting feeling. Nine G's. Um, well, I can't because they wouldn't allow me to go up anymore. I'm too old. But I think you had to be, I forgot what age you were. I went up at 42, I think. That's when I went up. Hmm. Maybe. Right. 41. 41, 42, I went up. Right. And, uh, you know, they had a whole physical you had to do before you went up with them. So, but yeah, the 9Gs, I, I, I will not be disappointed if I never feel 9Gs again. Because people are like, does it feel good? No, it does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is one reason I don't sleep on a plane. Because <sighs> I most often travel for business, which means... I'm alone. I'm not sitting next to anybody that would <laughs> have concern. <laughs> and so I want to be awake to hear any 
crew instructions that may, you know, if there's going to be turbulence or anything else. I fall asleep all the time. I yeah. just, I I, can't I've never been able to yeah. sl- sleep in uh, any moving vehicle. Ever. Really? Nope. Wow. Can't do it. Yeah, when I used to, I remember, I remember just the, you know, the, the hitting the pavement or the, when you're driving. Mm-hmm. When my dad used to drive, I'd fall asleep all the time. Yeah. In, in the back, whenever. I was the work. only one as a kid, I was the only one that was awake. And my dad would drive all night, especially this time of year, because he had to work. And then they would get out, he would get out of work on a Friday, and he'd want to drive all night. Because if they left, if we left around 5 p.m., then he could get to our do- our destination here in North Texas, uh, usually by two or three in the morning, and get some sleep before the morning. But they were limited on vacation time, and so I loved staying awake. But I I just didn't sleep. I'm not. I just won't sleep in a in a moving vehicle. It just doesn't happen. Well, I I have fallen asleep before the plane takes off. And most of the time, I, even though I've got my, my headphones on, mm-hmm. I just, I can hear when, you know, I just, I don't know why, but my body senses where, you know, when the pilot, I don't know what it is, but no, I, I, I my body either senses it when we start, you know, going down mm-hmm. or I always hear it when the pilot says, okay, uh, it's time to, you know, get ready to land. That right. Those are the best flights for me when I sleep the whole time. I sleep before we take off. And I awake when they go, okay, we're descending. Please put your, you know, your refreshment tables and your seat backs up and all that. Mm. Those are great flights. Yeah. Because it seems like, oh, I was beamed over here. Mm-hmm. There is no sense of time going by, which I love. Mm-hmm. All right. Coming up here, uh, we'll, take, we'll have the Democrat that says nobody's really talking about immigration. It's not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> well, on given the press, given the uh, the side that he hangs out with, he probably never hears it. That's true. That coming up eight six six ninety Red Eye. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio toll free at eight six six ninety Red Eye. Radio. He is Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE, if you would like to get in. I love this story here from CNN. Uh, Chris Licht, who became the CEO of CNN earlier this year, says he has been surprised at the uninformed vitriol directed at him from liberals as he attempts to shift the network's editorial direction in a series of interviews with the New York Times. Uh, Licht uh, took over the network in May, making a series of staffing and programming changes that have sparked buzz uh, as he tries to move it to a, as he claims, a more centrist slant. The uninformed vitriol, especially from the left, has been stunning, he told the Times, Hmm. which proves my point. So much of what passes for news is name-calling, half-truths, and desperation. Wow. Wow. He says he likes the morning show. With Don Lemon, uh huh, because the they obviously like each other. Mm -hmm. Did you see though last week? 
and Don Lemon got into the discussion with them uh, about why women's soccer players don't get paid as much as men. Yeah, what was that? What did they say the re- the reason was? Uh, well, basically because they're women. And he was saying they don't draw the audience. Well, they would. The argument the argument from the 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 from the other women hosts were, well, you need to be on TV first. You need a TV contract and a on and more widespread exposure, then the money would automatically come. Mm-hmm. And he goes, "No." Many women's sports get, you know, uh, get TV time. You know, you can watch women's basketball. Women's basketball was on major network the other day. Mm-hmm. Look at the ratings compared to men's. Is it there? No. And he was he sounded he sounded like any of us discussing. Well, no, women. It's not about sexism. <laughs> Oprah gets paid. Why? Oprah got paid. I don't know what she's doing now, but. She got paid and became, what, a billionaire, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Why? Because she could pull in the money. If you pull in the money, you get... Yeah. More that... more advertising money, more wealth. Yeah. That's the way it goes. This holiday season, give the gift of the Red Eye Radio app. Merry Christmas from Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. Red Eye Radio. <laughs> that was our suggestion anyway, yeah. <laughs> I like that. It's the gift that keeps taking. <laughs> 866-90 Red Eye. You ready for the audio cuts? I don't know. All right, uh, here we go. This is uh, uh, ABC's Martha Raddatz with uh, 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 the governor of Texas. Governor Abbott. Mm-hmm. Governor Abbott. I'm sorry. I'm my blank there <laughs> uh, over the weekend. And, and listen to how she phrases this question. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. Talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border. Come on over. But people I have heard say it for you are former President Trump or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. It was it was known from the time that Joe Biden got elected that Joe Biden supported open borders. Uh, it is known uh, by the cartels who have sophisticated information whether or not the Biden administration is going to enforce the immigration laws or not is known across the world, but most importantly, known among the cartels. And now, I want to make this clear. Mar- Martha Raddatz was using the technique of playing stupid. Yeah. Right. All right. Yeah, now, she's right, playing yeah. stupid so well that you might get the impression that she actually is stupid. That's how well she's playing stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us uh, go back here to when... Uh, candidate Biden called actually for illegal immigration in the United States. Well, wait, that is impossible. He couldn't really have done that. 
Could he? Well, mm. let's check it out. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Do, do I need to play that again? By the way, uh, Martha, that was on ABC. Yeah. Just so you know, Martha. Right. We know you're playing dumb. Or maybe you're not playing dumb. Yeah, maybe not. We're not sure. I, but we know that's that's a way to argue a point. I'm going to play stupid. Well, uh, if Martha doesn't know on ABC itself, here's we'll play it one more time. Here's what Biden said. I would, in fact, make sure that there is, we immediately surge to the border. All those people are seeking asylum. They deserve to be heard. That's who we are. We're a nation that says if you want to flee and you're fleeing oppression, you should come. Is there much wiggle room there? No. Nope. So uh, there there you go. Martha Raddatz playing stupid on ABC or mm-hmm. maybe not playing. We don't know. Uh, Now, let us go to one more audio cut over the weekend. Meet the press. Uh, Senator Sherrod Brown from uh, Ohio is on and talking about illegal immigration. I don't I don't hear a lot about immigration from voters except people on the far right that that always want to gain political um, advantage by talking about it. Now, interesting that he said that uh-huh. on Meet the Press yesterday uh-huh. when just this weekend, uh-huh. here are the headlines. And just so you know, uh, these are Democrats. Uh-huh. Denver mayor says influx of migrants this month has put immense strain on city resources uh, and issues an emergency declaration. Mayor Eric Adams calls out Governor Hochul and the federal government as New York braces for the flood of migrants. You mean the far-right Mayor Adams of New York City? Far-right Mayor <laughs> Adams. Uh, El Paso mayor declares disaster over migrant border surge and the end of Title 42. Mm-hmm. That is just this weekend. We know that about 10 days ago, uh, Governor Gass- Gavin Newsom of California said the exact same thing. The Democrats have to do something about this. It's out of control. Now, we found it very interesting that the people doing this are actually in sanctuary cities. Right. And, or And in uh, Newsom's case... A well, sanctuary state. Sanctuary state. Yeah. Where all of a sudden they're up, hey, come here, come here. Not only will we protect you if you're illegally in this country, mm-hmm. if you are an illegal immigrant criminal... Our goal is to protect you so you can stay here more than the security and safety of our own citizens of this city. That's right. So, again, Senator Brown, Martha Raddatz, Mm -hmm. the talking points went out. Play stupid about illegal immigration. That's right. Pretend you have no idea what's really going on. Come up with questions that sound like you're concerned, Mm -hmm. but show on the surface your complete stupidity about what the entire world knows is going on at our southern border. Yeah. It's amazing. (laughs) 
Well, I mean, it, it really is. It's, uh, you know, they, it, but just pretend it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Why not? I don't hear anything about it. <laughs> By the way, the timing couldn't be more horribler. <laughs> because seriously and then i'm getting i'm getting these news alerts on my phone you know the, one of the first ones i got was from a local uh tv station wfaa here in dallas uh regarding the mayor of el paso <laughs> what do you mean you're not hearing about it <laughs> you should turn your your alerts on from wfaa tv <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Ignore, uh, ignore the obvious, and then and and deny the obvious until it's too much to deny, and then you say it's just Republicans. They they're saying it, and so people are showing up. They're they're, they're basically what they're saying is Republicans are advertising an open border. Well, and welcome, as if the Republicans are in charge of border enforcement at this point. Well, what I'm waiting for is <laughs> is on defunding the police and the crime rate go, going up and Republicans and and people in the city complaining that the crime rate is going up and then they get the blame. Well, the only reason the crime rate's going up is because you keep saying the crime rate's going up. Right. So criminals believe the crime rate's going up. So they, so they can commit crimes. crimes. <laughs> They're just they're just listening to conservatives. Exactly, <laughs> that's what's going on. Right. So please stop saying that the crime is going well, up. Well, because everybody knows that that the these criminals are sitting around watching Tucker Carlson. That's what they do. Well, Tucker says it's okay to go out and commit crimes. I guess we'll go out and commit crimes. You know what's interesting though? <laughs> Martha Raddatz has the same kind of whining talking pattern as elizabeth Warren. i was gonna say she does ab- ab- absolutely it's it's yep. it's uh trying to appeal or appe- and or appease yeah but we don't hear that very much exactly when i when it's, i saw her, I'm like, yeah. wow, i just put that yeah. two and two together no it's, she's I just didn't like notice elizabeth it until Warren. you just said it yeah but it, it absolutely is technique yeah Please don't vote for Republicans. And all I hear is that there's like a sense of urgency and 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 wonder. Well, all mm-hmm. I hear is, yeah. yeah. I so now that like, is, is yeah. that going to be the new thing for ABC? Look, looking for looking for journalists that not only are political activists but can play stupid. Yeah, you must be right. able to play stupid mm-hmm. in order to work for ABC. Mm-hmm. By the way, the other day I'm looking for winter jackets, mm-hmm. and I and it's funny because all my winter jackets, <laughs> not all of them, but so yeah. many of them yeah. are are from radio stations and things I worked for. Right, and I and I pulled it out, yeah. and it was like ABC ra- ABC Radio News, and I'm like, oh, because we had we all got those winter jackets, right, right. And I don't and think we I've ever worn it. Yeah. Like, should I yeah. wear this to Buffalo? Yeah. Or will I get harassed by something? ABC! <laughs> I I uh, I had a hoodie. It was a pretty big... It, I still do. And I actually... Uh, 
I got it out, and I was like, okay, I'll just put this on. Then I thought, no, I may have to go somewhere. <laughs> I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, you know, I guess it's the only play you have again, play just, stupid, yeah. just an eye. And one of the things I'm, uh, one of the, um, newer trends is I feel like, what do you mean? You feel like it, it's, it's along the lines of some people say, what do you mean some people? I mean, did someone make a direct accusation? You can quote them. That's okay. Go ahead. Some people say, I feel like some people say that this isn't actually happening. It's going to be my new band. Some mm-hmm. people say. Some people say. SPS. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. SPS. Ah, right. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Did you get the new SPS album? Yeah, some people say. Hey, man, dude, I got, okay, it. Cause that I got could, it right after I got the new Boss album. Yeah, that could be a... <laughs> Does he have an album? I have no idea. I, just... <laughs> I think he does, actually. I saw him somewhere. Um, but it, it's either that or he just uh, wants to get out more. I, you know, when you, as you get older, you, you may relate to this. As you get older, you want to get out and mingle more. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Oh, wait a minute. I was, I, was, I was supposed to object to the first part of it. Oh, okay. You're more of the Clint Eastwood, get off my lawn. Um, <laughs> he's more, hey, maybe I'll well, go on Fallon. Just just mm-hmm. so you know, I did cut the lawn and edge yesterday, yes. Yeah. In December, December 18th, mm-hmm. I edged and cut the lawn. Yeah. Yeah, I'll be doing that at some point this week. Looks really good. I mean, for being, to- for being dormant. Mm-hmm. You know, because the lawns, our lawns turn whatever yeah. color they, the dormant color, which is not <laughs> right. green. Yeah, non-green. But but, but I, had, I had the clover growing up where, you know, the previous edging was, which I'm assuming was before Thanksgiving. So I had to clean it up. And I'm like, wow, I was really, I sat out there and admired it for a couple of, I said, normally I don't admire my lawn. I admire my lawn normally in July. There I am, yeah. December 18th going, eh, looking pretty good. That, those edging lines are really... Mm-hmm. Pretty tight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I have no life. <laughs> well, it's you know I'm I'm oh, I've got to cover my shrubs this year. I, I mean, while my my while my lights are up, I've got to go out there and cover the shrubs sometime in the next couple of days because of the cold front coming down. And then a week from Wednesday, according to the long term yeah. forecast. We're back into the mid to upper 60s, yep. which is great. We're supposed to be on, what, to 10? Yeah, when I'm oh, get, Thursday when, night, Friday morning. When I'm getting on a plane to go to Buffalo, it'll be roughly 10 or 11 or 12 degrees. It will be warmer in Buffalo. So I'm going to Buffalo. I was going to say, you to were get getting your, you were looking for a heavy coat for Texas, not New York. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And that's, that's insane. Well, for both. I mean, it's supposed to be in the 20s when I'm there. I talked and, and into the upper teens. Yeah, I talked to my dad over the weekend. I was like, Dad, uh, you need you know need any help in winterizing? He's like, no. He was actually out doing the leaves uh, the day before, he told me. He said, no, I've got everything. Uh, it's all squared away. And we were talking about Christmas visits and, you know, siblings are going to be there and the whole thing. And, and he says, look, he goes, uh, you know, your brother's coming up. My brother lives on the coast. So he's coming up. 
for Christmas, as he always does. And he says, I, I thought about calling him. Just, you know, he goes, I know, yeah, and it's my oldest brother, too. He goes, I know he knows this, but he said, my dad said, I can't really stop the dad and me. I want to call him and say, make sure you've got antifreeze in your car because he lives down the coast. <laughs> you know, make sure when you come up, you know, you've got your car all winterized and the whole thing. He says, he goes, I don't think I will, but I just, I, I almost can't help myself, you know? So, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be bitterly cold and then back into the sixties. So I may golf on vacation. Yeah. When you get back, I may get back you'll come back. Yeah, It'll be I'm nice. Gonna, and, uh, I may hit the driving range for a couple of days and then yeah. try to get a golf round in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? It's always good. I've hardly, I hardly golfed at all this year at all. Right. So I got to start. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little bit too lazy. Maybe I could just sit on the recliner and watch me TV and watch golf. <laughs> watch re <laughs> golf reruns. Eight six six ninety Red Eye. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley and I'm Gary McNamara. Free speech and taxing the rich. All coming up. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Hey, that's part one of our show. Don't miss the rest. Click part two on our website. RedEyeRadioShow.com or Red Eye Radio phone app to hear the rest of the show. And thanks for listening to Red Eye Radio. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen. 